Hey, how's it going? Welcome into another edition of the J Man Sports Podcast. You are joined as always by your beautifully sounded uh, host, the J Man himself. Um, in this episode, we're going to get into the MLB trade deadline, who were our winners, who were our losers. Uh, we're going to get into college football. We're uh, going to get into a preview of the University of Michigan State. Uh, we're going to give you, you know, our, our real-life expectations or our realistic expectations uh, for Michigan State uh, this upcoming uh, college football season. And uh, we're also getting into a fun topic um, at, at the end of this episode. I, I, I think it's you, you can have a little fun with it, uh, I think. Um, so that's that's what we got lined up for you um, today. I want to remind you how, you how you can stay connected to this podcast. You can stay connected to this podcast through our Facebook page, um, uh, J-Man Sports, Instagram at J-Man Sports Podcast, and Twitter at J-Man Sports Pod. Also... If you'd like to listen to the Jamie uh, Sports Podcast wherever you go, download the SoundCloud app. It's available for both Android and iOS devices. Uh, if you want to listen to your bet, your favorite episodes uh, when you're driving, um, when, you, when you're driving with, uh, with your significant other or with friends, or if you're out of town and you want to listen to the J-Man Sports Podcast, or you're you're just not anywhere um, where you can have access to your laptop, download the SoundCloud app, listen to my beautiful, sexy voice wherever you go. Um, and again, it's the SoundCloud app available for both Android and iOS devices, and it's located wherever you can download apps. All right. We'll first get into the MLB trade deadline. Uh, it, it has gone. It has passed. Uh, flurry of trades. I believe there were 13 moves, I want to say, on trade deadline day. Not like we'd expect. You know, I was kind of hoping Bryce Harper would be moved. Um, so we're going we're gonna to get into our winners and losers. Um, I thought a winner was the Los Angeles Dodgers. I thought they were a winner. Uh, they added a second baseman. They they needed a they needed help at second base. The platoon wasn't working with Utley and Forsythe, which wasn't working. They got Brian Dozier, who may not having the greatest of seasons uh, this year, but he typically has bigger second halves. Uh, and he's a night and he's a good veteran that you can keep at second base. You don't have to platoon. It, it, it gets rid of all these platoons of the Dodgers. Uh, the Dodgers have. They also got John Axford at the deadline as well, um, who I thought much needed bullpen arm. I don't know if he replaces what Brandon Morrow did for them last year. <clears throat> Excuse me, um, but I think he's a he's very good. He's a good he's a good strikeout reliever. Uh, he's got good swing swing and miss stuff. He's having he's had a good season uh, with the Blue Jays. So I, I thought with those two, I thought they I thought they were one of our winners. Um, let's go with a loser. I think the other team in Los Angeles, the Los Angeles Angels. I thought they were a little bit of a loser at the deadline. You know, going into the season, they had those expectations that you know they were either going to win the West or they were going to make the playoffs via the wild card, and that didn't happen for them. Um, you have Shohei Otani coming in, and now he's got, he got hurt. Um, uh, his arm can't can't pitch this this season. They they've had some injuries. Cole Calhoun had a big injury. He's one of their major players. He had an injury at the beginning of the year that really didn't help him. 
he's had to retool his swing. I thought they were a loser, even though they they traded away Ian Kinsler. They got something back in return for Ian Kinsler. That's great. I think the Angels are stuck in that like you know middle ground where um, they're 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 not bad enough to be considered a bad team to to want to rebuild. But they're not good enough to actually make the playoffs. Like they're just kind of the in between five hundred, which is the worst position to be in in sports. I've been saying for years, I think they should sell off, and I think the piece that they should sell off is Mike Trout. I I really do. Um, their owner does not even want to listen on that. But he's been to the playoffs once in his career, once in his like seven year career. That's remarkable. He's the best baseball player right now. He's, he's the best baseball player right now. He's only been in the playoffs once in seven seasons. Like, come on. It, 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 it's really sad. And I don't even think Mike Trout wants to even leave the Angels. I don't even think that, that it's the, like he's even thinking about that. But, you know, you just you want to see the best players make it to the playoffs. And so you want to see Mike Trout make it to the playoffs. And there are a couple of teams that can make that type of move. Um, to to acquire him, I, I that's why I think that they were the losers. They didn't really do much. Yes, they traded Ian Kinsler, but they didn't really do much at the deadline. So, so they're one of my one of our losers. Go back to one of our winners. Um, I think a winner is is the Atlanta Braves getting Kevin Gosman. I didn't uh, look. I'm not super high on Kevin Gosman, but he's he's a pitcher that makes sense for the Braves. Okay, he makes a lot of sense for the Braves. He's a Braves type pitcher. He's he's kind of he's what twenty seven years old. He's a hard thrower. Um, I think he's a development guy. Um, again, I don't think they were trading for next season, but I think he's a guy that's going to help them more next season. So I thought I thought they had a really nice trade trade deadline. A loser. I'm going to say the Detroit the the Detroit Tigers, and here's my reasoning. Okay, I don't blame them for the whole Mike Fires thing, okay? That's totally on the Oakland A's. If you don't know that story, the Tigers and and the A's were talking about Mike Fires. A's need a starting pitcher, okay? Um, and they wanted to acquire Mike Fires. Well, Mike Fires has signed a one-year, $6 million contract with, he's got an option, I believe, for next, or he's arbitration eligible for next year. So it's really like a two-year it, it can be a two-year um, um, pitcher or contract. And there's $2 million remaining on his salary this season. And the thing that, that was hung up was that the Oakland A's didn't want to pay was the $2 million on Mike Fire's salary. I can't blame the Tigers for that. Why are they going to pay $2 million? Okay, why are they going to give out more money? They gave out a ton of money for Justin Verlander. Why are they going to give out more money um, for Mike Fires? I get it's only $2 million. It could only be for a year. I get that. But I'm sorry. The, the A's got to... It's $2 million. Come on. The, the A's got to be only paid. So I don't blame them for that. But to only make one trade... One trade, the one trade in season is a little ridiculous in my in in in, in my eyes. You brought in Luis Martin, you brought in Mike Fires, and you brought in uh, Francisco Liriano because you wanted to trade those guys. You wanted those were guys that you were gonna do. They, they were reclamation projects. You were gonna you were gonna help 
them, you know, have good seasons, and then you're going to trade them for prospects. And I understand the market necessarily wasn't there, but you can't tell me there wasn't a market for starting pitching. Okay, you had the you had the Milwaukee Brewers. Okay, of uh, the Milwaukee Brewers needing starting pitching, and you couldn't trade either Liriano or Mike Fires to Milwaukee. And you traded Lawrence Martin, and you got a really nice prospect back in return, uh, Willie Castro, uh, who I think it's going to be better than I think what, a, what what people are writing about. People say he's going to be like a fringe MLB starter. I think he's going to be. I think I think he can be a solid piece. I don't think he's going to be a superstar by any means, but I think he's going to be a solid uh, piece. He's going to. He's not going to be a guy you're going to talk about all the time, but he's going to be a guy that's just going to. He's going to be. Uh, he's going to have a spot in the lineup. And he's going to be be there every single day. And he's going to hit about probably, I think, 260 to 270, maybe even 280. Uh, he's going to have some gap power to him, I think. Um, so I, I like that. But you couldn't trade Liriano and you couldn't trade Mike Fires. I do sort of blame you on that. I can't blame you for Oakland, for the Oakland debacle. But you had the Milwaukee Brewers sitting there that needing a starting pitcher. You had Francisco Liriano there where the Brewers needed a starting pitcher. Okay. So it's a little bit of a fail in my eyes. A little bit. Um, a winner. The Pittsburgh Pirates. They were they were definitely a winner. Getting Chris Archer. At first I thought, wow, that was pretty. That, that, what are they doing? But look, he's, he's going to be 30 years old. He signed for four more seasons. So the deal isn't for this season, even though they're going to try to get the wild card spot this year. It's not for this season. It's for the seasons to come. And yet they give up a lot. Absolutely. Absolutely. They give up a lot. But um, they had to do the they had to do this deal. A guy who was struggling. I think he's a little bit overrated in Chris Archer. Okay, struggling. They have a tendency to help pitchers. Okay, so I think they're gonna. I, I think Chris Archer, the Pirates, was, was a very smart move on the Pirates. So I, I think that they were, they were a, they were a winner. Loser. I think the Milwaukee Brewers. They had a one glaring need: starting pitching. They didn't. They didn't acquire that. They. They. They didn't. Um. They acquired a second baseman. Their infield's a little bit interesting. The way that they have it. Um. I, I get it, but I do consider it to be a little. I do consider it to kind of be a little bit, um, a little bit weak on their part. They needed a starting pitcher. There was a surplus of starters. They were f- so focused on getting Chris Archer that they lost out on getting a guy again like Mike Fires, a guy that could help them right now. They missed out on that opportunity because they were going so hard after Chris Archer, and then it was okay. Well, now we're going after Jonathan Scope. I I just it it I get it from a lineup standpoint. Okay, you want to lengthen your lineup, that's good, but I just don't I just I don't get it. I don't get it. Another winner, I think the Arizona Diamondbacks getting two relievers, getting Brad Ziegler and getting uh, um um Diekman. Their strength was their bullpen. And they're adding to that strength. I think it's very smart. They have a good rotation, and now they have a good bullpen. Because what do you need for the playoffs? You need a bullpen in the playoffs, right? You need starting pitching and bullpen. And they got a good rotation. They got a now. Now they even have a better bullpen than what they already had, and they already had a really good bullpen. Um, but they got a Escobar before the deadline. I thought that was a good move as well. 
uh, getting him. So I, I really like what, what the Diamondbacks did at, at the deadline. Um, who's it for me? The Colorado Rockies. Again, needed a starting pitcher. They didn't go out and get it. They needed a bullpen piece. They didn't go out and get it. I, they were a little bit quiet in my eyes. <clears throat> so I thought I thought they were they were a loser. I think a winner, the Tampa Bay Rays. They got they dealt a bunch of guys and they got a ton of prospects back in return. Obviously, the the Archer return with Glass now and Meadows is the best return they got. I would say they were a, probably a little bit of a loser on the Wilson Ramos deal, just basically just getting money back in return. Um but you know, in the Matt Injuries trade, they 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 got they got a player. They they got they even added Tommy Pham, you know, an outfield. They they, they completely uh, revamped their roster. So I think I think it's definitely um, uh, I I think they you could consider them definite winners of um, the trade deadline. Re- I really think that you can. Um, We'll go with one more winner, and we'll go with with um, one more loser. Okay, um, one loser. There are a lot of losers on trade deadline day. More losers than winners. Okay, basically anybody that I've said that have won the deadline. Okay, that's who's won the deadline, and whoever I don't say the re- like is is are losers. I, I wouldn't have to say the losers. Okay, because you could say the Oakland A's, they needed starting pitch and they didn't get it, right? I'm saying the Washington Nationals. Actually, I'm going to go two losers. I'm sorry. I just changed my mind. I'm going to go two losers because they're both in the NLEs and we, we talked about them. I'm going to go with the Mets as a loser and the Nationals as a loser. Nationals, they can make a run. They're 55-53. They've, they've, they've gone on a, what, a three-game win streak since the deadline, Okay. I thought they should have sold the deadline or they should have added at the deadline. So meaning if they weren't going to sell off, I thought they should have added a big piece. You know, kind of like the Houston Astros last year when they added Justin Verlander. I know they added him in the wait in the waiver in, in August, but kind of like a move like that. Um they and they still need that type of move. Okay, they need a move to they needed a move to jumpstart them or to or to start the rebuild process. And they didn't do either one. They just they kind of sold in in Kitzler, but that was it. That's all they did. Okay. And the New York Mets again. They had Jacob Degrom sitting there, and you can't tell me that there weren't teams interested, but they weren't willing to really listen on Jacob Degrom. He's going to be thirty what thirty one years old. He's in he's in the prime of his career. Okay, or he's going to be thirty. Excuse me. He's in the prime of his career. You should have done what the what the Rays did and get the type get the type of guys. You could have even gotten better guys than what the Rays got for Chris Archer. You could have because Jacob Degrom has had a better season, and you didn't do it. I, I, it doesn't make sense for a team going nowhere. I, do, I don't understand. Oh, we're building towards next year. Sure, you said that last season. You said the season before. I I just don't get it. So those are two losers. Now I'm gonna go with with one more winner at the deadline, and I, and I think I think they they did a really good job, and I'm gonna say the New York Yankees. You know I don't know if they're gonna necessarily catch the Red Sox. I think the Red Sox are that much better, and the Red Sox had a good deadline as well. 
Uh, but I thought the Yankees had a, had a good deadline. They, I thought they had, a, they had a winning deadline. I don't love the Lance Lynn pickup. And just because I have them as winner doesn't mean I love every pickup. I don't love the Lance Lynn pickup. I love the J.A. Hat pickup, even though he is on basically the DL with the same type of disease that Noah Syndergaard has. Um... Um, but I love the Jay Happ one. I love, absolutely love the Zach Britton move. So I, I really, out of the, all the moves that they did, I really like, really like the Jay Happ move, and I really like the Zach Britton move. And that's why I thought that they were winners. I don't like, I don't really like the Lance Lynn move. I don't understand the Lance Lynn move. He had like a five-something ERA. Like that's not good. I don't. I don't understand why you're trading for a guy like that. I don't understand why you'd give up something for a guy like that. Okay. Um, the Jason Shreve move makes sense. He he um, uh, he wasn't having a productive season. Makes sense. Or I should say, Jason Shreve as a Jason Shreve. Jason Shreve. Um, I just I love the J Hat move. It makes so much sense for them. A lefty, uh, guy who can strike out, a guy that can strike out some guys, a veteran. Uh, he's gonna be probably the second or third starter, depending on, um, depending on how everything. He, you know, he could realistically pitch the one game playoff, and they don't have to use Severino. Like, yeah, that that's how, that's how much I actually do like that trade. They're they're getting. A fringe one, but but number two, number three guy uh, in J-Hap. And then obviously, I love the Zach Britton move. So those are our winners and losers. You can give us uh, your winners and losers of the trade deadline via our social media pages. Facebook, J-Man Sports. Instagram at J-Man Sports Podcast. And Twitter at J-Man Sports Pod. Alrighty, moving on to college football. Moving on to the Michigan State Spartans. Okay. We knew this was Michigan. Um, with with Jim Harbaugh and and, and the and the realistic expectations. Okay, we're not we're not saying win national title or, or or bust. Okay, we're giving realistic expectations, not what fans expect. Because fans can fans again short form for fanatics. They can get a little overboard. Okay, Michigan State's got a good team. They're 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 gonna they're right up there in not just the realms of 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 their. Um, of their division, the Big Ten, but of the whole Big Ten conference. Okay, they they're they're a really good, talented team. They have a returning starting quarterback at Brian Lewerke, um, and he's he's he played really well last year for them. They're two seasons. They're going now two seasons removed from a three and nine year. Okay, um, and look, Michigan State's always going to have that underdog type of hard to play because uh, people in the national media never give them the respect that they deserve and um with that they don't ever give mark d'antonio the respect he deserves okay um first of all they butcher his name they don't even know how to spell it slash say it and i'm not a person that's good with names as you can tell um, so far, uh, 31 episodes, 30 episodes into the J-Man Sports Podcast. I'm not very good with names, okay? But at least I know how to pronounce Mark D'Antonio, okay? At least I have his occupation right. There was, I believe, an article that surfaced last year where they said he was 
He was the head coach of the Michigan State volley. I think it was women's volleyball team or something like that. And they called him like Mark D'Antoni or something like that. Like it, or Mike D'Antoni. That's what they called him. Like what? Like, and and the thing this was this was from like ESPN. They did this. Like that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Okay. Uh, so they're they're always gonna have that chip on their shoulder. Okay, they're always gonna have something to prove, um, and and especially Mark Antonio himself is gonna have something to prove. Okay, so they've got they've they've got an interesting schedule. They've got some winnable games. They've got some other games that that, that could be trap games. Okay, so they start off the season uh, against Utah State at home. Then they're gonna be Utah State. Second week they go to Arizona State. That could be a trap game. Arizona State is is sneaky good i think that they would win that game against against um, um arizona state I, I michigan state's a better team okay um then they go then they gotta go to indiana that could be tough on on um uh, actually they do have a bye after that then they go to indiana um Again, could be a trap game, even though I do still think the Spartans will win. They had to play Central Michigan at home, and they're going to beat Central Michigan. Northwestern beat them last year, and they got them at home. I would suspect they'd beat them at home. Penn State, the game with Penn State, we don't know what Penn, where Penn State's going to be. If Penn State's going to be the Penn State of last year, then I would say eh, probably not. They're not going to beat Michigan State, or they're probably going to beat Michigan State. But they lost Saquon Barkley. They lost some of their receivers. They lost a lot on offense. So I don't know what, what they're going to be at. So I'm going to say I would expect Michigan State, with all the returning guys that they have, I, I would expect them to, to beat Penn State. Now it comes to Michigan. Michigan, Michigan State. Since I already have Michigan... Um, having to, you know, my expectation for them is to make it to the Big Ten title game. They, I obviously expect them to win, Michigan to win this game. But again, Michigan State's proven they can beat Michigan. They're, they're proven they're right on the same level as Michigan, if not on a higher level than Michigan. Okay, both teams got a lot of returning starters. I think, I think it's going to be a really compelling game. I do think that's going to be one loss for Michigan State. You got Purdue. I think they're going to beat Purdue. Then they're going to beat Maryland. Ohio State. We don't know what's happening with Ohio State right now with with Urban Meyer. We don't know what's happening. Um, just strictly from a football standpoint, you know, this one's really tough. I'm going to go with Ohio State because I think they have they got a little bit more talent than Michigan State. Uh, so I'm going to go with the with with two losses there. Um, um, to Michigan and Ohio State. I think they're going to beat Nebraska. Not saying that Nebraska is going to be bad this year. I just don't think they're going to be great, and they're going to beat Rutgers at the end of the season. So I think the realistic expectation of number of wins is somewhere between nine and eleven wins. Okay, whether it be nine or whether it be nine and three, ten and two, or eleven and one. Okay, and to be right there in the conversation to go to the Big Ten title game. That's I think a realistic expectation for them. I think I think a really I think another you could argue that at least getting to a Big Ten title game is a realistic expectation for Michigan State. That doesn't mean it's gonna happen, but I think it it could be an expectation going to the Big Ten title game for Michigan State. So again, 
I got them at 10 and 2 when I go through their schedule. I just ran through it really quick. Uh, I got them going 10 and 2, but they could easily be 12 and 0. They could easily be 9 and 3, 8 and 4. Okay. Um, they got that type of schedule where I don't think it's too difficult, but I think there are some teams like Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State. You've got Arizona State, Northwestern. You know, I think Nebraska could be a trap game for them as well. They just got some trap games where, where if if they are a little bit off, you know, they could their season could really derail. I think I think the realistic expectation is between nine and eleven wins for Michigan State. I think they're gonna have a loss. I think they will. Um, definitely one. Uh, and to be in that conversation to go to the Big Ten title game, I think it's a realistic expectation. I think it's pretty good, pretty damn good for uh, for the head coach of a volleyball team to uh, to be ten and two or eleven and one or nine and three. I think, I think that's pretty good for them. I, th- I think it is. Um, so you can join the conversation on Michigan State. What are your expectations for the Spartans this season? Um, on our social media pages, Facebook, J-Man Sports, Instagram at J-Man Sports Podcast, and Twitter at J-Man Sports Pod. All right. We had a, we had a good, fun topic, okay, at the expense of ESPN on Get Up. I believe it's what it's called, Get Up. It's the early morning show on ESPN, okay? They were talking to a guest. Can't remember what, exactly what his name is. I know his name starts with an M. Can't remember what his name is right now. Um, well, basically, they asked him to, to rank his, his top five underrated rivalries in sports. Okay. So he compiled a, a list, and it's, it's an interesting list. I think number three and number five, I, I think they're actual, I don't think they're, I don't think it's, it's underrated. Um, um, I don't think it's an underrated rivalry. Um, either one of those. Um, I think it's, it is like an actual rivalry. I think number one is interesting. Um, and number four, I don't even understand. So this was this guy's list. Okay. He went Notre Dame, Miami, number one. And this is one I have a hard time with because yes, they had a 30 for 30. Yes. It's, 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 uh, you know, cons versus convicts or not cons versus convicts. What am I saying? Catholics first convicts. There we go. Uh, that converse convicts is that doesn't even make sense. Um, um, and it's interesting because if you, like early two thousands, even the nineteen nineties, right? Like they played each other and they were rivals, but they haven't really played each other. So I wouldn't really consider them to be rivals. So that means I wouldn't really consider them to be underrated rivals. So that's why I, I I don't really I don't really know about that. Second one is Cubs Cardinals. I can see that. I don't really think there's any rivalry in baseball, whether it's the Yankees Mets or Yankees Red Sox or Cubs Cardinals or Dodgers Giants. I don't really think there's like there are really many true rivalries in baseball. But I see how this one could be. I, I see how it could be an underrated rivalry. So I, 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 I don't mind that one. Number three, he has Harvard-Yale. Now that one, I think, is an actual rivalry. And it's more of a rivalry outside of the realm of sports than it is than it is on, like, the sports surfaces. Um, but it, we don't understand. If you haven't gone to either Harvard or Yale, you don't understand how much they actually don't like each other. 
like, as students. Like, they don't like each other even, I don't even think, as people, almost. Like, seriously. Harvard, yeah, that's a serious rivalry. So, I'd argue that's not underrated. That's, like, I think we should all know Harvard-Yale is a humongous rivalry. Okay? Um, And that's not just in the sports world uh, either. The number four is very interesting. I don't understand this. This was back in the late 80s and then the early 90s, I could see. But not right now. And uh, they have the Pistons and the Bulls as uh, his Pistons and the Bulls as, as an underrated rival. Uh, they're not rivals, okay? I don't even think their fan bases hate each other anymore. Like, I don't. Other than if they're talking about, like, the late 80s, the Bad Boys versus Michael Jordan era. Like, I, I don't really think they, that they don't like each other. So... I I don't that one I don't I scratch my head at I don't understand that one, and number five, um, they have Army Navy. First of all, Army Navy in football that is one of the best games to watch. I love that game, Army Navy. Okay, it's intense, um, and it's an actual rivalry. We don't give it credit. I mean, I'm not saying. I'm not saying necessarily that that it's it could be classified as underrated, but I think if you are a fan of college football, you know it's not underrated. You know how much those teams don't like each other. I think the term underrated rivalry has to be like where people it, it doesn't get the coverage that that it deserves. Like like you don't un, like you don't understand how much these fan bases don't like the other team. Like you can't. To me, it's hard for a national person to say that, okay? Because they don't understand the individual fan bases and how much they don't like each other, right? And there were people that were trying to make their own list, and they were putting, like, Auburn, Alabama. Well, that's obvious. Texas, Oklahoma, that's obvious. Michigan, Ohio State, that's obvious. Yankees, Red Sox, that's obvious. Duke, North Carolina, obvious. Okay, we're looking for underrated uh, rivalries in sports. Okay, and and I have I have I have a few. Okay, one is uh, Roger Federer uh, um, and and Rafa Nadal. Now, you people would say, "Well, but that isn't that going back in the past." I say it's not, and here's why. Two years, two or three years ago, I think it was two years ago, they played in a Grand Slam final. I believe it was the U.S. Open, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, and it was a, it was a good match. Okay, and it's so it, it's 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 so much of a rivalry. Okay, that Roger Federer skipped playing the clay court season this year. There were two reasons why. One, it's a little bit harder on his on his knees and on his back to play on clay, but also because Rafa Nadal is so dominant in the French Open. Okay, Roger Federer didn't play in it. Okay, Roger Federer only has one French Open title, and that happened to be when Rafa Nadal wasn't there. I think that's an underrated rivalry in sports. Now they like each other. It doesn't mean that rivalries don't mean that that they have to hate each other. But I think it's I think it is a very underrated, underrated rivalry. I still think it is to to this day. I I still believe it is. So I I think I think that that is an underrated. Um, rivalry. Okay. 
Um, I think I think the Cubs and Cardinals is I think I think that's a good that's a good underrated rivalry. I don't think it, I do think Cubs fans and Cardinals fans don't like each other, so that that makes a lot of sense. I think USA Soccer in Mexico. I think that's a I, I that that is a very underrated rivalry in my opinion, and here's the reason why. Because, like. That doesn't. It gets a lot of when they play. It gets a lot of attention, but I don't think you fully understand if you're if you don't live in the U.S. or Mexico, you don't fully understand USA versus Mexico. You could even argue Brazil Germany. Brazilian fans don't like German. Do do not like Germany. Germany fans don't like Brazil. So I think those are two in the soccer world that make a lot of sense as underrated. They don't get the big attention, and you don't understand unless you are from those countries. You, you don't you don't understand. And in, in, I think USA Mexico is a very good one, and I think I think um, Brazil and Germany is another good one. I also think that in the NFL, the Falcons and Saints. Now there aren't very many, there aren't very many fans on the Falcon side, but on the Saints side, I th- I think they do I think they don't they don't like each other. The fan bases don't like each other. The teams might like each other, but the fan bases don't like each other. Okay, and you, again, you don't understand that if you're not a fan of the Saints or a fan of the Falcons. If you're not a fan of the Falcons, you're you're joining the majority because they don't have any fans. And, and any team in Atlanta, they, they don't they don't they don't have any fans. Um, so I think, I think that's one. And I got, I got a couple other ones that I think are pretty, are pretty funny. Okay. I think tennis players in their rackets, very underrated rival right there. Um, there, there was a video and I, I got I got I got to credit the pops on this one. The, the, uh, the, the elder man. Okay. The. Exper- the the what 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 does he call himself the experienced young guy, okay I gotta credit him. Uh, <laughs> these two players are playing. Um, I don't remember their names. Okay, they're they're playing a tennis match. This was I think this past week. Okay, and this guy wrecks like multiple rackets. Okay, it's not just like he goes to the sideline and just smashes a bunch of rackets. Okay. He he's in a rally, loses the point, smashes his racket, gets a new one, and then the new one again, same thing in a rally, breaks his racket. Okay, I think he breaks another one when he goes to the sideline after a rally, and then after the end of the match, he takes his racket. After he loses, he takes it and chucks it at center court, and then goes and shakes the high, goes and shakes the guy's hand. I think it's a very underrated, underrated rivalry because if you don't play tennis, you don't understand how 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 frustrating it can how frustrating your racket can be. There was a guy in a major, I believe, who honestly took like two or three, maybe even four rackets. He was sitting, he was sitting. Um, um, this was in between points. He was sitting down and he just took rackets, even they were they were still packaged and just smashed them. Okay, we see it all the time where people just chuck their rackets or something like that. It's it's very underrated. The hatred between the player, the tennis player, and the racket. Very underrated. Okay. Also, here's another underrated one. Golfers and their golf clubs. Very underrated. If you don't play golf, you don't understand the hatred that you have for your golf clubs. 
but it's funny because your hatred goes your hatred goes from pure like you absolutely want to like just chuck your club through a through a like window or you want to chuck it like happy gilmore okay or you are like you love your clubs you're like oh i really I had a really good shot it's because of my club i i love this club like when i first started golf i used to be really good at uh, chipping chipping onto the green my second shots were really good so i love my pitching wedge well now i can't i can't hit i can't hit a good second shot for the life of me with my pitching wedge i can't even hit a good third shot with my pitching wedge i can't even chip around the green with my pitching wedge i don't like my pitching wedge anymore i, I no don't like it so I, th- I think i think that's that is a very very underrated because again if, if you don't play the sport those are two very underrated because if you don't play the sport, you don't understand how frustrating the equipment can be. I'm sure you could say that for basically almost any sport. I mean, whether that's hockey with hockey equipment or football with pads, baseball is not really that frustrating. I mean, you can be frustrated with your mitt, but at the end of the day, if you miss a fly ball, it's kind of on you. you. You're the one that kind of looks silly. Like, you, yeah. Um, basketball, I don't really think you could be that upset with your shoes or your sweatband. You could be upset with, you. I think, uh, this is, I don't even think underrated. You could you can honestly say this is a rivalry now, is uh, NBA players and the referees. <laughs> that, I think that that's actually like a known rivalry now. Like I don't think it's underrated anymore. I think, I think it's, I think it's known that players don't like referees and referees don't like players. So I, I, I thought it was kind of a fun topic. I, like I said, I think, I think there are some good ones. Um, I think you've got, like I said, you've got Brazil, Germany, and you've got USA, Mexico. I think those are rivals. Um, Falcon Saints, I think those are underrated rivals. I think um, that Rafa and Federer, I think they're underrated uh, rivals still to this day, I think. Uh, and then I, and then I, you know, actual sports equipment. So you get you get tennis players with tennis rackets. Very very underrated. You don't play tennis, you don't understand that. I've played tennis. It's frustrating. Trust me. You, it it, it it's a frustrating game. And you know you 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 swing at a ball. And you miss it. You wanna you wanna punch your racket. You really do. Uh, it's uh, your racket magically has a hole in it. It's your racket's fault. It's not. It's not the player. It's your it's racket's fault. You know, in golf, uh, golf golfers and their golf clubs very underrated. You don't play the game, you don't know. Right? I used to love my pitching wedge. Now I don't. I don't like my pitching wedge at all. Um, now I used to not like my driver. Now I I actually sort of like my driver. I I can I'm I'm beginning to actually be able to hit a straight shot with my driver. It's the way the golf goes. You're either going to love your clubs or hate your clubs. I think it's an underrated rivalry. I really do. You can give us your underrated rivals in sports. Especially in anything, but sports. Try to keep it sports related. Um, I, I think there are a lot you could do. Again, it depends on which kind of fan base that you're in. Okay. Um, I think I think what makes an um, 
a known rivalry different than an underrated rivalry is because like you know Michigan and Ohio State you don't have to be in that fan base you know it you don't have to know Yankees you don't have to be a Yankees fan or a Red Sox fan you know that's a rivalry you don't have to be a Duke or a North Carolina fan <clears throat> excuse me you know that those that that the, the rivals okay but you but to make it underrated you have to you have to look at the fan bases and and you have to kind of be in those fan bases and you have to hear from those fan bases that they are actual rivals you could argue the packers and bears are also an underrated rival i would think that they're more of an actual rival it's the oldest rivalry the oldest um uh, rivalry in pro football is the bears and packers they don't really hate each other but i think i think you could argue the fans don't like each other okay and so I think to make it underrated is you have to understand that, like, you have to look at it and go, well, how could those two be rivals? And then you have to look at the fan bases and go, ah, makes sense. Makes sense. Or you either have to play the sport to understand the tennis and the tennis racket and the golfer and the golf and the golf club um, rivalries. Alrighty. Uh, so you can you can you can join the conversation on that or on anything discussed in this podcast through our social media pages: Facebook Jman Sports, Instagram at Jman Sports Podcast, and Twitter at Jman Sports Pod. I want to thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting this podcast. And don't worry, you definitely will be hearing from me soon. Thank you.